With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome into the PHNX Rising post-game show. Phoenix Rising with a win, 3-1 over Harvard Athletic. I'm Owen Evans, joined a little bit different today, you might have noticed. This is an <laughs> ad man. It's not ad man that's standing right next to me. Instead, it is Ryan Segura. Ryan, yeah. how are you doing? Glad to be here. Um, you made that... the short walk over yeah, from the no. desk. We're doing Rising Radio all day and sad that Max can't be here, but we're happy to be here and happy to replace him. Happy with a result in the play today. How's your voice holding up? You did that game all solo. No, it was fun. I mean, I always like kind of doing things that you don't expect to do. I was kind of thrown into the rising radio thing last second today, and it's always fun to kind of, you know, do it. You can tell that my voice is not great because it's a little <laughs> raspy and it ain't it ain't working. But you can also tell that we are at the minute right in the center of the most happening moth nightclub, if you're watching. They are uh, <laughs> absolutely buzzing around everywhere. But hey, three points for yeah. Phoenix Rising, three goals for them today as they take on Hartford Athletic. They take the lead early there, Danny Trejo, with the fastest goal that Phoenix Rising have scored all season. And then they don't quite manage to capitalize on what was a lot of pressure in that first half. Yeah, one Guerra in the midweek called them mentally strong players and he wanted he was looking forward to seeing them bounce back there's no better way to bounce back than score a goal five minutes in right so they looked really good out of the gates they get a nice early goal from Danny Trejo and it was different for Phoenix than usual on right they were creating chances more so than this kind of just like back and forth side to side possession in the midfield they were actively approaching the goal and approaching the 18 looking to create opportunities and that's why Trejo got so successful early on and it was very important just as Tampa Bay did to Rising last week to get that early goal inside the first five, ten minutes. But even then, it's that little bit limited, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, they're getting the chances. Yes, they put four on target, actually, in that first half. But at the same time, it's 60% possession. You feel as though maybe a couple of chances they left begging that, you know, good chances just didn't quite get the luck that way. But still, in the end, then Hartford get the uh, penalty up at the other end. And I know some people are talking about if they, they think it was soft. Other people have turned to me and said, I think that was a very obvious penalty. What do you think about that one? It looked as, as from a clear as a vantage point as you're going to get from our little northwest corner spot. It was right in front of us, right at the edge of that 18-yard box, and it looked like a pretty clear penalty. It looked like it he, looked like one. It looked like Open well. just kind of skinned his way past Eddie, and Eddie was just kind of like, "I can't let you get through me," and he gave him a little too much. Con it looked like a clear penalty. It looked like a good call, and again, that was the only shot I think until like the 80th minute that Hartford had inside the area that penalty they kick, really that was weren't it. threatening they, they were really not weren't creative. threatening for much of that game i think and that's something that look rocker made a couple of saves yes but again as, as you mentioned a lot of them from distance mm -hmm. they weren't really particularly dangerous now phoenix rising though of course you kind of get senses of oh god here it goes again mm. you know this is a team that has been so dominant in terms of possession for so long um this season that that we're doing that again today and yet you think is the end product going to be there 
You get into the second half, you see the one change. Juan says actually that's not performance related in the end. They they chose actually because of uh, the risk of him picking up a second yellow. He had been warned. He'd picked up a yellow card 10 minutes into the game. It feels kind of performance really, in some ways. It feels in some ways, but it's not necessarily the output, yeah. I suppose, is, yeah. is what Juan was saying in the post game. But he makes that change. As time goes on, you're still wondering, okay, are Rising going to be able to do it? Are Rising going to be able to do it? You don't expect it to be Carlos Harvey who's making that run, do you? you Halfway don't. across the field. You don't, but also it's been Carlos at times this year. That's his fourth goal this season. He got the goal against Birmingham. He has a couple in the Cups, but you haven't expected it, but he was gifted it right in midfield. A mistake at the back. I think it was Sheldon who missed on the ball for Hartford, and he goes one-on-one for what seemed like 10 seconds. It was like, when's he going to shoot? When's he going to get? And then Sanchez, the goalkeeper for Hartford, came, and Carlos, with the presence and the patience of a number nine, just it away, his legs. It underneath. Yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was a great finish. I mean, I mean, that happens. That was the perfect way to do it. They get a gift, but you got to take advantage of gifts. And then as the game progresses, of course, they ultimately put it out of sight. Manuel Artiaga, bit of fortune, I think, in that <laughs> goal, to be honest. I mean, you create your own luck to a degree, but in that kind of position, the way it kind of bounces around, safe to say he was a bit lucky, maybe? Yeah, a bit. I, I thought Monjoma did well on the right wing to get into the box and create the chance. And Anytime you can float a ball to the back post where you've got the deadly guys in the box, the poachers like Arteaga, like Trejo back there, Danny just got a piece of it right at the edge of the back post and right before it was about to go over the end line. And he put it in a space where Manu was. And as a good finisher, a good poacher, a good striker does, he was right there. So, yeah, a little lucky, but as you said, you create your own luck. And he was in the right spot and rising created the right ball at the right time to go up 3-1. That was an important insurance spot, too. Indeed, it was. Well, we do have the numbers now. Let's take a quick look at those numbers from this game. Rising, actually, here. You look at that XG for Hartford, 0.95. That was pretty much the exact same as Carlos Harvey had over the entire game. Yeah. I mean, Okay, so that tells you a little bit about Hartford and their chance creation in this match. Yeah, I mean, I mean of, of that 0.95, I think a penalty is what? 0.788. Yeah, so they didn't create nearly anything outside of that penalty no. from Edwards. Two shots on goal, actually, is all that Hartford had. Again, one of them is the penalty. Yeah. Okay? Uh, they only take five shots in the end. Rising had more shots on target than Hartford had shots. Rising with 66% of the possession, as we have become accustomed to seeing, they're dominating the ball there. 2.24 XG for Rising. So, yeah, very dominant performance, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, they, they Ultimately, yeah, they, they were creating chances in a way that we haven't seen in some of their previous games. And I think you have to give them credit for that. Yeah, you mentioned the possession that we've been accustomed to seeing, right? That 2.24 XG, we haven't been. No. It's always kind of maybe hovering just above one, maybe just below 1.5. That was a big number. And again, it was because of a lot of the big chances they created. The Harvey finish was a chance that was probably over four over 0.4 XG. The Arteaga chance was probably over 0.7, 0.6 from open play. Trejo's goal was probably over that. So the goals they scored were high XG chances, but you have to earn those high XG chances. They played well enough, I think, to where that was nearly, I think, maybe their best performance on the season. It's close. It was certainly their most clinical performance in front of goal this year. I think that's a, it's a good question as to whether that is their best performance of the season. Chat, let us know what you think about that one. I think that maybe, just maybe, I'd edge towards Birmingham Legion away being a, not necessarily because it was better overall, but because the caliber of the opposition in where they were, at least at that stage in the season, was better. I feel as though Hartford came in, I think you had the stat before the game. These are the only two sides that have yet to keep a clean sheet in the league in any of their games in the league. And uh, neither do it today either, of <laughs> course, with this one ending 3-1. But I think that overall, yeah, you're looking at a team that came out here today 
did take the game to the opposition, did create some more chances. I mean, again, even in the first half, and I know I was maybe being a little bit critical of them, saying, again, we're seeing a team that has a lot of possession, could have put that game away, really, with the amount of the ball that they had in that first half, and they didn't do so. But they did have a couple of chances that maybe on another day could have been buried. I know there was the one header that was tipped over the bar in the first half that was, you know, it kind of has you on the edge of your seat when you see one like that. You're not really sure whether the keeper's actually going to make that save or not. Yeah, I think it was Varela who got the opportunity. Sanchez, the goalkeeper for Hartford, actually had a really good game. So you give credit, Rising could have easily had four or five today, and it was really good. And you mentioned that clean sheet stat. You don't get a clean sheet, but you get a clean sheet from open play, which is pretty good. Obviously, it doesn't show up anywhere, but you'll take that. I thought for Rising, there were more crosses today, not as many as there were against, I think it was San Antonio or uh, San Antonio or Tampa, where they just kind of were lumping the ball into the box, but I think it was Tampa. But it was just it was Tampa, yes. Yeah, it was just this mixed bag of they were getting into the right spaces, really just kind of the edge of the 18, not just kind of crossing it from deep. And they were trying to put balls into Arteaga, put balls into the back post. There was more variation in their attack, which I think helped them out. I'm going to actually slightly show you up there. It was actually twice as many crosses in this game as they did against Tampa. Yeah. 22 crosses attempted for Phoenix Rising. Really? In this wow. game, yeah. 22 crosses, 11 against Tampa Bay Rowdies. Yeah, and a lot of them um, were good crosses as well. Mm-hmm. They were balls that weren't just kind of aimlessly hit into the box. They were really just kind of, we're going to finesse one in there. We're going to try and pick our spot in the area. And they looked pretty good a lot of the time. Going around, Pat's actually got a good question here. How much of this was Rising figuring things out and how much of it was Hartford just being bad, though? I think that's a good question. To me, in a lot of ways, Phoenix Rising, you should enjoy this win tonight. You should go in and be happy that you get the three points. But at the same time, I think today they met expectations in a lot of ways. Yeah, we were talking pregame and it, it felt like every bit of the conversation was this is a must win and it's not just a must win, but a should win. Like Hartford are not a quality team. They're bottom two in the East, which is the inferior for a reason yeah, for a reason, the inferior conference in a lot of ways in that category as well. You look at them in Detroit, they might be the two worst teams in the division, but I think as kind of stupid of a cop out as it is, it's kind of a mix of both The rising played well, their combinations were good. They built, they created chances, but they were enabled to do that because of Hartford's inability to do anything in the defensive areas. And, I think what was most impressive about Rising today is they kind of snuffed out Sadie and, and Opino in the open field. They weren't allowing Hartford to get on the counter. Edwards' goal, he wasn't able to do much. Lewis wasn't able to do a lot. They Hartford have guys that can really be dangerous on the break, and I think Rising with their back three back with Fuenmayor and Crutzen and Lambert, that pairing, that trio, instead of Harvey at the back, it actually worked pretty well in terms of stopping Hartford from really being dangerous on the break. That's a good point, actually, because, you know, we, we've mentioned a lot in, in the pregame show um, and all of that about how Phoenix Rising had to be prepared to deal with speed today. That's what Hartford have in abundance, especially with Prince Sadie. Um, and you've got to be prepared to deal with those moments on those counterattacks with speed. And that's something that we've seen Rising struggle against in the past, sometimes because you see, yes, I know they're playing with the three at the back now, but you see those moments where by those fullbacks, they rely on them for so much width, they bomb up the field. And then you have that quick counterattack, and all of a sudden it's like they are rushing back to recover. And that's actually in some ways why I think Babakajai ultimately needed to be taken off probably at half time, because you see how much he commits to that attack. And you know that if they have the pace going the other way, he's going to bomb back. Maybe he fouls someone in that process and already being on a yellow, he can't afford another one. But I was impressed with the fact that they didn't really seem to give very much away in that sense. Yeah, I think that the other key is like you look at the guys who were out there today, the athletes that they had at the fullback spots. Munjoma, as 
attacking and defending is kind of, he's not necessarily elite at either category. He's an elite athlete. He's going to be able to track guys like Sadie. And at some point they switched Sadie over from the Jai side to the Manjoma side and didn't even have any success. Babu, for as attacking as he is, is an athlete and is good enough to get back there. And Darnell, he was obviously going to be the more cautious defensive play in that moment, but you still did a good job of figuring out how to stop them. I think the only one who really had a lot of success when he could get on the ball was Opino. And Sadie, when he had the ball, was good. He just couldn't create anything from it, again, because Rising were so good at being able to stick with them and stick with their athletes because they were matching their athleticism. They were also switched on today, which we didn't see against Tampa. They were very mentally up for this game in front of the home crowd. Are there any other major themes, I think, that you take from this game? I thought it was another good game from Rocco, but that's something we've kind of come to expect. You give him two or three opportunities a game, you might score one, and he'll make two good saves the other day. It was a solid game. He didn't have to face a lot, but he was good with the crosses. He was good sweeping off his line. I think it's always good to end with a goalkeeper, come back with his performance, and I think another solid performance from Rocco is a good thing to hang your hat on. Well, you know, after this game, you've been speaking for a lot now. You might need a drink when you get off. You've got your water there for now, but when you get out of here, maybe you want to swing by Circle K. Go grab yourself a Polar Pop. Did you know that we are excited to partner with our friends at Circle K? Check out your uh, local Circle K for the best coffee, beer, and snack selection, and premium gas. Remember, you can go stock up at Circle K. Polar Pops, they stay cold the longer. Yes. they got a lot of snacks there. they got a lot of other deals available. Ice coffee, just $1.89. I guess you got a late night coming up, but <laughs> the uh, semester's over, I believe, isn't it? So uh, something like maybe that. Maybe not knocking back as many of those coffees. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Probably still. You get 12 packs of beer for just $9.99. Uh, Red Bull, Monster, all other kind of things. Lots of snacks. We have the snacks at the office. We enjoy them there. <laughs> Make sure you're not missing out on all this great stuff now. Right now, text PHNX to 31310 to join their SMS subscriber club and get a buy one, get one free offer on a 32-ounce Polar Pop. You might need to go and uh, check that one out to see if your voice afterwards. I'm on there. the way now. On the way, on the way. <laughs> Head to circlek.com slash store hyphen locator. CircleK.com slash store hyphen locator to find Circle K's near you. And uh, while you're there, of course, I mentioned the beers. You can always pick up some Four Peaks. I know that that might be what I'm going back home to enjoy when I get back home after this. Uh, probably a couple of wows in the uh, fridge, I think. Uh, do enjoy a good wow. Make sure to follow them on social media at Four Peaks Brew and at Four Peaks Pub to get all the latest on Four Peaks, and uh, they've just finished up, actually, their Four Peaks for Teachers, their Teacher Appreciation Week. So uh, good to see them out in the community and doing their things. And uh, not only that, they've also got some promos with the D-backs. Again, just make sure to check them out on social. Check them out at Four Peaks Brew or at Four Peaks Pub. Keep up with the latest. must be 21 years old. That's doing Four Peaks. And make sure I will be doing when I get home to enjoy them responsibly. Right, so... Let's talk. We've been talking about some bigger themes, I think, and about bigger things that this team have been doing. Let's focus on some of the individual players here. We'll start, actually, with our player of the game, man of the match here, and it is Carlos Harvey. One goal, four shots, 94.1% passing accuracy in there. Yeah, stringing them along. And he was. it was kind of different today. Renzo Zambrano is usually the guy in midfield that's the facilitator. Carlos gets back into midfield after a week away in Tampa where he was playing as this kind of makeshift center back. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's the facilitator and he was great driving the ball. He gets the goal. He has all the shots. Most of those coming from outside the 18. And you mentioned that they didn't have a lot of opportunities inside the area rising at times. A lot of their shots from outside the box were one or two yards outside of the 18 yard area. Right. So they were actually not necessarily 
awful opportunities. It wasn't like you were seeing in maybe some of the games last year where they were just kind of firing on sight from 25 yards out. So they were contested shots. They were awful shots, not necessarily to take all the time. I think rising and especially Harvey, obviously he's your man of the match. And I would agree with that. They did a good job of winning duels as well. They were sweeping up that midfield double pivot of Zambrano and Harvey is actually one of the best in the league. I think when they're on it and I think they might be the best in the league when they are truly, truly playing to their full power Tonight, I don't know if that was their full power, but they did all they were asked to do, and they played well. That's why Rising won. They won the midfield battle today. I still think it's something as well when you see a guy from defensive midfield getting that many yeah. shots off. It's just a degree of just sparking things off almost. It's a degree of forcing the issue sometimes, even when the team can be a little bit sluggish at moments. And again, I mean, just for that run alone, I, I was not expecting it. <laughs> I actually asked that to Juan in the post game, and I was like, Are you, you, know, you, you see a goal, it's a quick breakaway, over that sheer amount of distance, are you expecting it to be Carlos Harvey who's doing that? And he, he kind of laughs for a second and just goes, probably not. No. Um, it's one of those where you're... Of guys you'd almost expect it to be. Like, if that was Danny Trejo, you wouldn't bat an eyelid. You'd think, yeah, of course it'll be Danny Trejo. Of course that'll be the kind of guy to do that kind of run. But not Carlos Harvey. No, it's one of those where I think you're as a coach on the technical area, you're going, you, you, you look up, you say, oh, that's Carlos. And you kind of are like, oh, we're one-on-one. And then you look and you think you think to yourself, you go, oh, that's Carlos. That's not Danny. That's not that's not someone who's quicker. It, it's not someone who you'd expect to be in that area trying to close it out. And when he finishes it, you're just like, okay, we'll take it. And again, it was a good finish. He, <laughs> he did find it right very well. Legs. He does a good job in a composed moment. The hardest part about those kinds of chances is you've picked up the ball at midfield. You're one-on-one for 40 yards. You've got four or five seconds to figure out what you're going to do, and it's a mental battle more than it is a physical battle, and he ended up winning that mental battle, which was important, and it was an important goal. It ends up being the winner, and that allowed Rising to kind of just spur on from there. was indeed. Is there anyone else in particular, I think? You mentioned Rocco earlier. Anyone else in particular that you pull out who you think really did a good job today? I think the insertion of Alejandro Fuenmayor back into the middle of the center back trio was really important. He he didn't necessarily flash anything super special, but he's so good at reading lines and cutting off passes and turning those cutoff passes into these short little build-up plays, and he allows them to flow freely. And then also he has that one or two moments where he frees it up with a one long, long diagonal ball over the top to switch fields. I think he was good to have him back. I don't know if he necessarily stood out, but I think him being back at the heart of the defense and allowing Harvey to move further up, you move Lambert out wide and you move Crutzen into these spaces and Kevin can go play further up the pitch because Fuenmayor is back there. He gives you that solidity back there, that confidence that you can just play your game more when Fuenmayor is back in the defensive area. Indeed, and just some numbers on Fuenmayor there. Actually wins 7 of 12 duels today. He goes 4 for 4 in tackles today (laughs) and uh, 8 clearances as well. So safety first a little bit as well, 2 interceptions. Uh, Yeah, I think he had a a very good game overall, I'd agree. Someone else I'd know, actually, I thought that Eddie Manjoma, also put in a good shift. Um, someone else, I mean, I mentioned the jewels there. He won seven of nine today yeah. as a fallback. And not only that, you saw, I think, in moments, especially in the first half, just the footwork that he came into the opposition box for. I mean, he was dancing around some of those defenders in there. And maybe the final ball wasn't quite there on times, but it was still just beautiful to watch someone get up there taking on defenders in the way that he was and causing a bit of a panic for the defense. Yeah, and it's fun to watch a guy like Eddie who clearly has the pedigree, comes from FC Dallas, played well in college at SMU. He's a good player. He's a player that on his day can maybe be above this level, and that's fun for a rising team that 
in Juan Guerra's style of play, it's so fullback, so outside wingback oriented. When you have guys like Uzo and you have guys like Monjoma to back him up, and on the left side, you've got guy like Gabby Torres and Jai who can back him up and Quaisho can play in either spots and Gallardo can play there. They have all these options and Monjoma playing well today, giving his first full 90 for the team in USL championship play. He's such a confident player. And when he works on his confidence and he's on his full confidence, he might be one of the two best fullbacks in this team. I don't think anyone is going to touch Uzo and that's hard for him because he's also a right back and Monjoma's never going to get up over Uzo, but this is a chance for him to take a spot and take it while Uzo's out with a lower body injury. So it's kind of cool to watch him play with some confidence, some swagger, and show what he did today and go the full full 90. Worth noting as well, three out of four dribbles for Manjoma successful. The other fullback who started today only put four, uh, 45 minutes in there. But Babakar Jai, five for five on <laughs> his dribbles today. On. He just takes people on, but it was working today. Yeah. There were a couple of moments where I think the frustration with Babu was not necessarily the way that he was taking people on. It was perhaps the slowness to actually get that final ball out of him once he got into the opposition penalty area. Or even, to be honest, the fact that you saw opposition players hacking at him and you look at him and just say, you know, far be it from me to say a player should go down, but sometimes a player, you should go down. You should go down. That leg is swinging in. I can see that contact has been made. Take that contact and look for the penalty sometimes. Has anybody improved more from the beginning of last season to this stage this season than Babu. Like, I, I, he has gotten so much more calm around the area, so much more patient with his decision-making. He was always a good dribbler. He was always a freak athlete. We saw that when he scored for RGV in the playoff game. He can just make this one moment magical. But I feel like this year he's been more consistent. I think that's actually credit to Juan and credit to the coaching staff to have turned a player who's got that much potential into somebody who can be a clear threat in the attacking areas from a wingback position. Indeed, indeed. I mean, I'd say in some ways, maybe the the turning point, the inflection point for him a little bit, I think could have been the um, game against New Mexico. I mm-hmm. think he makes his, his very, very poor decision yeah. um, in that game. And I think it was kind of the wake-up moment a little bit for him. We saw what he posted on Instagram after that. We see him kind of taking responsibility for that and saying, yes, look, I'm holding my hands up. I let the team down today. And the way that it was, you know, kind of spoken about afterwards was like yeah he he understood the gravity of what he did there he understood the gravity of how he let the team down in that moment in terms of you know ultimately leaving them out to dry with only 10 men away from home in a, a difficult environment when you were already losing um i think from that point onwards yeah he he's just stepped up he's he's shown that he's perfectly capable of um playing a role within this team, even if there's still some things he has to work on. Yeah, he's been a really good attacking threat, which you don't always expect from a listed defender, but he's been so fun to watch these last couple of games. He was, I thought, really good in the first 45, and that yellow card obviously hindered him, and we saw a lot of those yellow cards today. Can we talk about Danny Trejo as oh, well? Please. Danny Trejo, the finish on that goal, very well taken. He also gets the assist, actually, on the uh, last goal. Yeah, I mean, technically, because the cro- created, yeah. 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 So, he was good. Yeah, I mean, he's a player who I think frequently we have turned to as kind of the, the creative spark on this team. Um, someone who in moments where the team will be lacking, in moments where the team is is struggling. By the way, they're telling you, Ryan, you've got to be facing the I'm camera a little bit. Camera. You've got to look at the camera. I want you've to look got to at show your beautiful mug. There we go. They want to see you. They want to see you, Ryan. But um, speaking of beautiful mugs, Danny Trejo, it's I mean, so he... We knew what we were getting in terms of Danny Trejo from what he'd done in Las Vegas and how he'd been successful there. 
But I think just how critical he's been to this team, did we expect him to be this important? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I, I, I thought so. I thought he was going to be a guy that is kind of used in the role that he has been this year. He's kept, he's been rising's get out of trouble guy. You throw him off the bench, he scores a goal against Charleston the first game of the season. He's been the guy that's sort of frequently sparked the team, right? And that five minutes in to score a goal, first goal in front of the home fans, first goal in front of the South End, to do all that in five minutes after your worst performance of the year, got the team going from the start. He led the way from the front. He was someone who I think has always been this guy, and even for Las Vegas last year, he was always the guy that was just going to spark it with his actions on the pitch, and he was very good at opening this game off, and it was so important to get a goal 10 minutes in because you saw what Tampa Bay did last week. They scored 10 minutes in. They killed the game off, and Rising were able to kind of do the same thing today. They didn't do as good of a job as the Rowdies did a week ago against them, but they were still just very, very good at taking that early goal, playing well, keeping possession, being patient in their buildup, and again, it all comes down to Trejo scoring the early goal. I mean, in some ways, I think it's it's just impressive when you look at a guy, a young guy like that, and he's just got that thing about him where he will, when this team is struggling, when they are at their lowest point, he will put them on his back mm -hmm. and carry them over the line by finding a goal in some way, shape or form. It's just impressive to me when you've got a young guy. And I mean, we know he's got ambition. Obviously, he wants to go to a higher level. We know that he ultimately wants to to kind of prove that he deserves to go back into MLS. He, he did make a couple of appearances with LAFC, and he obviously had that time on the bench with them as well last year while he was with Vegas. But I think he's really making that case. And to me, look, do you want Danny Trejo to stay around? Of course you do. But do you... Are you going to be surprised if come the end of the season, Danny Trejo is not a Phoenix Rising player at the end of the year? Not at all. I think there's a couple of guys. Like, I've, I've spoken often, I think, about Harvey and his ability to maybe be a guy who you could see on the bench of like an RSL or like a Montreal, somebody like that. There are a couple of guys on this Rising team. If Varela is able to find a consistent rhythm and a consistent ability in the attacking third, he's one of them as well. That Which he should. hasn't done yet, yeah, and that's, that's, that's been a big disappointment as a part of the season so far. He shows spurts, he shows moments, but Rising have three or four guys that on their day, and if they can find a consistent ability to stay on their day, will be above this level next year, and that's just the matter that it is, and that's okay because that means Rising are having success. If these guys are playing themselves up to a higher level, that can only mean that Phoenix are doing a good job and probably succeeding on their pitch. Yeah, I mean, th there's... Anyone else in particular, I think you'd ha kind of point the finger to now and say maybe they still need to step up a little bit more. Um, it's Fede primarily. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to say... because of the amount of fanfare that he came into. Oh, yeah. There was the expectation that he was going to be this very good player. And he, he showed some very good flashes in preseason as well. Of course, he also suffered an injury in preseason, which did harm the team ultimately. Um, uh, and yeah, yeah we, we came in with all the expectations for him and he just hasn't quite lived up to them yet. I mean... There's still time. There's still time to do so, but you just need him to step up that little bit. Maybe, I don't know, is he still playing maybe with a little bit of a nagging injury maybe in there? Maybe he's not quite fully back up to speed. Maybe he's just not up to speed mentally at the moment. I'm not sure what it is, but just something's off with him. I mean, yeah, he was touted as this world-class passer, top five, top ten passer in the world on whatever couple of metrics that Rising were able to find. And at times he's looked like that. You look at some of the service he's played going all the way back to the opener against Charleston he's had spurts where it's one ball over the top he creates the whole play for everybody else he's one of them 
I think that everyone else has kind of been what you'd expect. Solid. Crutzen's been solid. Zambrano has been solid. I think it's really Fede. And from there, you just need the other guys to get healthy. When shows healthy, he's been good. You're looking at Uzo to get healthy again. That's been the big issue for Rising is you want him to stay healthy. You want him to stay fit. You want him to figure out how to get back on the pitch because not once this year has Rising been at full strength being able to fully field their 18 best players, not once this season. No, they haven't. Now, that did, of course, necessitate one thing, but I will say as well, there was a comment from Juan that this guy actually really earned his minutes on the field. Uh, and it was just a few minutes at the end. But it's Liam Mullins, yes. of course, a local kid. Uh, he was signed from Barca Academy, I believe. Um, Rising picked him up from. And he's been with this team through the preseason. He scored against Colorado Springs in a uh, friendly in preseason. He also managed to... Uh, he made the trip down to Mexico City. Actually, I believe I saw him at one stage playing out wide in that game as well um, as a wing back in one of those friendlies because needs must. Versatility. Time. Versatility. Young guy. We didn't get to see a whole lot of him today, but what, what a, a moment for the young man. Yeah, and it's been cool to see some of the immersion of these new attacking young youth talents, right? As a moth just hit me in the back of the neck. Tobo O'Rourke getting some minutes earlier on in the year. I was itching to see Jack Ramirez today. I thought he might have a chance to get on when they got that 3-1 lead. That's a 16-year-old kid from here locally, right? Mullins has worked his way in, and to get a debut in front of your home fans with the three points on the way is really cool. And he was he was ready. He got on the field, and he was running around, chasing the ball, chicken with his head cut off, trying to go find a way to – go see if he could create a turnover and get a chance to go one-on-one -on -one with somebody, but I don't think he ever got that chance, but it was really cool to see. It's always cool to see a debut from an academy kid to get out there, especially someone who, as you say, has worked as hard as Mullins has. I think that's something that Juan has kind of really emphasized this year, is the idea that they need to send a message. They need to send a message across the valley, across the state, that if you are out there and you have the talent, they will find you and they will give you your shot. Um, and I think that's something that's important here, actually, as we we could talk about this for ages, but we've we've seen the RSL kind of dominance in this state at times in terms of the way that they have poached players from here constantly, yeah. taking them off to play with the academy, with, with what used to be their, their USL team in, in Real Monarchs, but also then, you know, moving on to the... Uh, to MLS as well, a couple of players, you know, Brooks Lennon comes to mind, uh, a couple of other guys as well. Um, you, you, you know, to, to actually compete against that, you have to show that you are going to put those guys in. Um, and that's something as well that, that was brought up in the interview that aired in the, on the pregame show, on the PH Rising pregame show today um, with uh, Corey Robertson in that interview where he spoke about how this club has moved beyond just looking for professional players to get wins to thinking they have to think long-term. They have to think about what the future of this club is. The future of this club in a lot of ways is those young players. Well, I mean, that's the future of USL. We've seen what happened over the last couple of years is that USL, the second division in American soccer has become a viable option for European clubs. Josh Winder's about to go to Benfica from Lou city. Uh, Kobe Henry just leaving orange County last year to go to France. There are guys everywhere now in this league that, are 19, 18, 20, 21 years old that are going to get sold on, right? So there's an opportunity now, not only as a club, to create more competitive players and better players by taking these academy talents, but also to make some money, which every club is interested in doing at oh, this yes. level. Oh, yes. If you can find that kid that's from, I don't know, let's say Peoria, and turn him into somebody who's a talent and get him into the system and get him into the academy and get him into the first team and get him minutes and get him scoring goals and creating chances and you can sell him off for a million dollars to some team in the Czech Republic, that's good business for the club. 
And I think that's why you see a lot of USL teams rising, maybe more so than others, because of the talent hotbed that this place is, trying to turn these kids into viable professionals that they can maybe help them win games, of course, but also maybe the off chance that they can turn it into a little bit more money in the bank so they can be more games, they can get more better facilities, they can do everything a little bit better. Yeah, and I mean, when, when you look into as well, like, uh, some of these guys coming out of Barca Academy, we've seen teams really pill for that Barca Academy. Other USL teams, we saw El Paso do it with Diego Luna. We've seen Orange County do it a couple LA. of times as well. Yeah. We've seen uh, th these teams are doing it, and then you've got Phoenix Rising that is literally right there. At, like forty-five minutes away, and they weren't doing it. Well, when I they think it's Chandler. They were five seen, minutes away. Yeah, it really <laughs> was not far away. It felt like they were practically down yeah. in Casa Grande at that point, but it. It just was so frustrating to see that. But now, one other thing I will touch on as well, um, looking at this game, of course, eight yellow cards <laughs> from uh, JJ Belinsky. I'm just going to let you go here. Well, we did say before the game that he was going to be, he was averaging 8.1. Mm. He came in with eight today. So uh, hats off to him on the kind of consistency, I guess, for the number of yellow cards that he likes to give out. But mm. um, rumor has it that maybe Mr. Belinsky could do with a, a bit of a chill. Maybe you could do it with a bit of a chill. Maybe you could do it with some OGs, actually, after that game. Uh, I know that Max on here would normally be talking about OGs, about how much he does enjoy a, a good uh, dip into the bag of OGs at the end of a night sometimes to just uh, take a rest. You know, of course, they've got the Sleep Edition, Aquaberry. Uh, that one, definitely, he's, he's touted that a few times about how he likes to take those. He enjoys the Aquaberry likes to get off to sleep with that one. They've got some new stuff coming now as well, actually, some new mix bags. They've got the fruits. Mm. They've got the creams. Mm. I hear there's also a pink lemonade coming mm. as well next month, <laughs> and that'll be very interesting to see quite how that is. Maybe we'll have to get Max to get some samples of that and uh, <laughs> put it to the test, of course, just how nice that uh, pink lemonade will be. But, of course, you can find OGs at your local dispensary. To find them there, make sure to go to ogsbrands.com. That's O-G-E-E-Z brands.com. And remember, of course, you must be 21 or over to enjoy responsibly and of course something else you need to be 21 or over to enjoy but it's a good time anyway valley tap room rumor has it that max possibly myself even will be there on tuesday trivia tuesday 6 30 don't miss it max will buy you a beer is what i'm being told max will be buying beers so hop on on there uh, it's a good time. About 30-odd beers there. Lots of big wine selection. Lots of beers as well in cans, in bottles, or in the fridge around the corner. And uh, it's a good time. You can bring your own food from elsewhere. They've got a small menu of their own. It's a good time. Make sure to check out Valley Tap Room out there in Gilbert. And, uh, yeah, swing by on Tuesday. Myself and Max will uh, probably be there. Maybe you can make <laughs> sure to make do as, do as we did the last time we went to Trivia and ask Max any questions about the ads. He enjoys it. We had a good time. Finished second in the trivia last time. See if he can come and beat us. So, uh, yeah, Valley Tap Room. But um, as we draw now towards our conclusion, maybe we should... Uh... Actually, you know what? I've got a question for you, Right. Mm. Who is the best coach in the country? In, like... In the country. I don't know. I'm, I'm just this asking this question. Dumb question. I like it. Um, who's the new... Uh, is it uh, Wilfred Nancy at uh, Columbus Crew? I like him. He did really well with Montreal last year. He's doing pretty well with Columbus Crew. I don't know. That's my best guess. That was the question that I was asked at halftime by Santi Guerra and uh, his little friend who I'm reliably informed was also the son of uh, ASU coach Graham Winkworth. Mm. So, um, I don't. yeah, think they it's... kind of put me on the spot in that one, didn't they? Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I got, this, I got one, two but... little kids, both the sons of coaches, asking me who's the best coach in the country. What'd you tell them? 
Uh, they gave me the option to just say both of them. That's so why I just said both of them. That's a, I, That's a bomb. I know both of them. Cheap cop I know out. both of them. Cheap it's cop a cheap out. cop out, I know. <laughs> but I'm not upsetting kids, okay? Not little kids. No, that's fair. Sometimes I mean, the truth is Not only is that, real. I mean, I'm reliably told by, by Juan that little Santi is his 401k. I mean, that guy's... Uh, He's eager. He loves his football. Yeah, he's out there playing. Did you see him out there? On yeah, the all of them afterwards? were. There were, were like all six or eight or twenty of them. Lots of kids, but but Santi wants to bring his cleats along to play. Yeah, yeah. He'll be out here. He's the, he'll, he'll get his debut against uh, Orange County on the road. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll see. Maybe one day we'll see Santi Guerra lining up for Phoenix Rising. Uh, in the meantime, should we take a look maybe around the league at some of the scores from around the league? Obviously, some of these quite eye-catching. I think we'll start with the two most obvious in that sense. Tampa Bay Rowdies, five. Detroit City, one. JJ Williams had a hat-trick in the first half in that game. Detroit get their goal. I know they got one last week, but they got a goal. So, I mean, they've struggled to do a lot this season. And they still get battered. Absolutely battered at Lang Stadium. And I think that's JJ's... I don't... Did he score... Did JJ score a hat-trick in the Colorado Springs game where it was really all that weather and rising um, 1-4-0? Remember that game? The home game where it was really... The weather was awful. It was like middle of monsoon season. The rain, it rained. There was like two people at the game because it was down in Chandler and it got delayed like an hour or whatever. And I think J.J. Williams, and they won like 4-0. He scored a hat trick. That was – Tampa Bay looked good. Not as good as San Antonio. Not as good as San Antonio. That's the other one we've really got to highlight tonight, and that is Charleston Battery nil, San Antonio FC 7. 7. Charleston Battery were – up around the top of the East going into this game. Yeah. They were one of the better teams in the league, in a lot of our estimation, and they lose 7-0 at home to San Antonio. Now, how good does that say? I mean, that's the question here, right? I'm, I'm struggling for words to describe this one. Is it that Charleston aren't as good as we thought they were, or are San Antonio just when they are fit that good? Yeah, so San Antonio got Mitchell Tainter back, who's maybe one of the two or three best center backs in the league. Juan Carlos Azucar started for the first time in a while. He played well. They got a goal from Sam Adenner in inside like 10 minutes. They've got a lot of talent. You chalk the 7-0 down to it's one of those weird games where they probably turned 3XG into 7 goals or 4XG into 7 goals. And let's, let's be honest. I think Charleston's still pretty good. I think San Antonio is the best team in the league when they're fully they fit. They tend 1.94 yeah. XG so one of, into seven yeah. goals. So let's be honest. Like, 1.94, you're not turning 1.94 XG into seven goals. Well, one of them was an own goal as well. And that's fair. fair but, like, still, like, it's one of those games where San Antonio were just absurdly, absurdly clinical and probably a little bit lucky. You don't out XG yourself by five without a little bit of luck. But still, 7-0 against a really good Charleston team is a result where it's like, okay, San Antonio are back. They're going to be a threat to now be really, really good through the rest of the year. There's one more that I will highlight here, and it is San Diego Loyal 2, RGV 3. Um, that's, again, I, I know we saw San Diego Loyal fall at home last week, I believe. Uh, oh, recently at least. Um, RGV going to Torero Stadium and winning there. And San Diego Loyal, to be clear, got their, their second goal very late. late. That was 90 plus 3. At that point, the game is gone. They're beatable. And, I mean, Rising now have uh, have played them twice. Yeah. You know, they went to Torero Stadium. They struggled there a little bit, actually. Um, <laughs> just a little bit. They couldn't really create any good chances. That was the issue, I think, yeah. more than anything. And Rising were caught on the mm -hmm. break a couple of times, ultimately losing 3-0 in that game. But 
at home rising yeah they get 2-0 up ultimately give away the lead draw to all but this San Diego Lord team is beatable and there's a couple of teams now showing it El Paso did it RGB have done it now and they're doing it at Torero Stadium yeah are yeah. you concerned if you're San Diego a little bit rough week for San Diego Rough week. I mean, Very rough you, week. The MLS stuff, MLS. and now you lose at home to RGV, and you give up three goals at home to RGV. and It feels like Rising caught him at the wrong time, right at the beginning of the season when everyone was shoving San Diego into the, the title shouts. And now it feels like they've dipped a little bit, and they've turned a corner into a negative space that they don't want to be. Anytime you give up three goals at home to RGV, it's not a good, not a good sound not a good shift, is it? All and they I are mean, away to RGV is one thing because as they always say RGV. It's Edinburgh, Texas is the place where dreams go to die. <laughs> um, that's a Devon Kerrism, I believe. Um, it's it's not a fun place to go away to. Um, it's quite sticky there. It's humid. It's just not fun. But at um, home, you got. But at you gotta home, get you got to get the job done against RGV. They're yeah. not that good a team. They are not that good yeah. a team. There are no real excuses, I think, to fall behind by quite that much. Um, I think to answer your question, right, about San Diego and if there's concerns there, I mean, yeah, there should be. They still have all this talent. They're supposed to be this defensive team that's going to be really hard to break down. That's kind of what Nate Miller has tried to turn them into this year. And again, you can see three goals at home. You lose back-to-back games at home. You're starting to slip a little bit. You're down to fourth. You've got two losses in your last three. That's not a team that is defensively going to be good enough to win titles. You can't do things like that. They lose to El Paso, and then they get, obviously, what happened today to RGV. Their win is, I believe, Orange County? Orange County? Yeah, it's Orange yeah, County Orange in the County. middle there. So it's like, that was the uh, the result in the middle that got, came from last weekend yeah. that I've bleached last weekend from my mind in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, but I forgot they got that win in the middle. But that was away from home against Orange County. Their last two games at home at Torero Stadium, they've lost. Yeah. And it's not a, it's again if you want to if you want to be a team in this league that's competing for titles, you got to win at home. You that's do. What you, rising is again as low. I think Rising are an eighth in the live table after today. They have not lost at home yet, and that's something that I think they can build off of, and it helps you build off of when we get in front of our home fans. We're really good, and we're good enough to just not lose every game. Indeed, and as I look at this Western Conference standings, Rising are indeed in eighth. They are behind Monterey Bay, who are currently seventh, but they have played a game more. Mm-hmm. Uh, same points. Uh, Oakland Roots one point ahead. Same games played as Rising. Rising could, in theory, with a the game in hand, move up as high as fifth. Um, Colorado Springs played 10 there. They are on 16 points. Rising, of course, 13 from nine. Although ch- right behind Rising, you've got New Mexico United 11 points from eight games. They played one fewer. Um, and they won today, of course, against Monterey Bay. Uh, RGV down there as well on 11. They played nine games. We're getting to the end of the show now. Uh, any other thoughts just today on generally on the USL day? Mm, no, I mean, that again, that San Antonio performance stands out. They are going to be coming for Sacramento's Republic's spot. And I think San Antonio, when Rising played them a couple weeks ago, they weren't at full power. And it's a San Antonio team that when they are at their full potential can be really good, and they showed that tonight. And that was a big result for a team like them to get it done and to play as well as they did. We'll see where Charleston goes as well after that. It's kind of hard and honestly demoralizing to have to play next week after you lose 7-0. So we'll see where Charleston can take that as well. We will. We will. Now, I did see a comment in here from Devon mentioning about the fact that he is currently wearing his PHNX 
Rising Scarf. He's put that one on. Remember that you can get your own PHNX Rising Scarf, PHNX Rising T-shirt, various other things as well. You know, if you're not too scarred by the recent Suns result, although I hear there's been some moves on that front. Money. Even since. um, If you're not too scarred by the way that various other things, of course, in Arizona sports continuously go. The D-backs are hot right now. You can get yourself a PHNX D-back shirt. Mm-hmm. Go to the uh, PHNX Locker at phnxlocker.com. Check it out. And again, make sure to get your PHNX Rising scarf. They they really do well, actually, over the summer. I'm not sure if you've uh, managed to get your hands on one of them yet and no. seen them, but uh, they're lightweight. They're nice. It's not hot at all. It's not heavy. It's good stuff. So make sure to check them out at the PHNX Locker, phnxlocker.com. Right, that's about it, I think, from us here. Uh, I will be with Adman. I'm sorry, Ryan, you're not joining us on Monday. Uh, (laughs) Monday and Wednesday this week. So our usual time is 6 o'clock, but make sure to tune in as the moths surround us now. We better get out before they try and take (laughs) over. Uh, So Monday and Wednesday, I'll be there with Adman Max Simpson. Until then, see you.